In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the OGGN HSE podcast sponsored by Indris and Hauser a global leader in process automation and measurement instrumentation, Endress and Hauser, the people for process automation. Find out more about Endress and Hauser by going to cx.endress.com forward slash HSE dash podcast, where you can register for our monthly podcast giveaway. This also helps let them know you're listening to and enjoying the podcast. And we'll paste this address in the show notes. Today, we're going to talk, I think, primarily the environment, although health and safety is going to be involved in it. And as I always say, you know, HSE, people think that's a specialized part of the oil and gas industry. But when you look at everywhere from engineering to geology to drilling, HSE is involved in everything. Today, we're going to talk about all three aspects, but especially the environment, because today my guest is Gray Alton. He's Vice President of Project Development for Terrapin Geothermics. Gray, thanks for taking the time today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to chatting. Well, I am too. I'm excited about what you guys are are doing here, and I want to flesh this out. So why don't you, first of all, tell us about yourself, and then tell us about Terrapin. Yeah, So as was alluded to, I'm Gray Alton. I'm the Vice President of Project Development for Terrapin. I'm a 16-year industrial construction veteran, so cut my teeth out in the field, working on the tools, running equipment, got into engineering school, graduated, went back out into the field, kind of learned the management side of the business out in the field, and then was able to get into the office and work with design build teams. And now moving over to Terrapin, I've now represent Terrapin and our business development interests internationally. So in Western Canada, the US, we're looking at projects in Australia, New Zealand, Europe, Southeast Asia. So I cover quite a large footprint for Terrapin. I joined the team. So I was original shareholder when we founded the company in 2016, but I didn't come on into full-time capacity until two years ago when I took on the role of business development with Terrapin. Okay, so you sound like you have a Texas accent. Uh, are we uh, talking to you from Houston right now? <laughs> no, you're talking from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. But I tell you what, we're the we're the Houston of Canada, I'd say, with our oil and gas industry. So outside of maybe geology and a little bit of twinge to my accent, I'd say we're not too different. <laughs> so are you from Canada? Born and raised an Edmontonian, proud Edmontonian, go Oilers. And yeah. And, and, and Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky, you bet. That's been a while though, I'm afraid. Unfortunately, yep. <laughs> I hate to say it to all your fellow Edmontonians, but uh, those glory days have uh, long since passed, I'm afraid. Yeah, we've had a lot of dark years. <laughs> We're recording this about the middle of November. What's the weather like there? You know, we had snow and minus degree weather all of October. It turned to November and some areas of the of the province were seeing close to 80 degree days. But the last two days, it's turned into snow and ice. So people were digging themselves out all weekend. So pretty nasty. It makes me want to definitely be down in Texas right now. So that's called the Indian summer. <laughs> Explain. You know, people don't realize it, but when it gets down below zero, which is, of course, really cold, 
And then when the temperature does rise to say the upper 20s or whatever, even the 30s, you know, I mean, that's a 20 to 30 to 40 degree temperature inversion. And you actually have to be careful because you walk outside and, and, and you feel warm. It's, it's amazing how, you, you know, 25 degree weather can feel warm, but everything's relative. Absolutely. And then you get stuck outside with not the proper amount of clothing. And once that sun goes away, it is significantly cold. So yeah, you got to be careful. You definitely do. Okay. So Terrapin Geothermics, I looked on your website, your mission statement says, unlock the economic, environmental and story. So you got a story you're trying to get out there What's that story? Yeah, you know, it's this industry is picking up, I think, as you've seen a lot of the carbon neutral commitments being made by utilities, major oil and gas producers, governmental bodies. We're seeing a lot of commitment to the energy transition in the energy industry. And there is a compelling story to be told around the innovative companies that are stepping up to the plate and saying, we want to go first and we want to pioneer this industry. And so not only does Terrapin want to go and actually develop these projects for them, create emission-free baseload power resources and heat resources, but we also want to tell the story of why they're doing this and celebrate that they're in this industry being leaders and investing in companies like Terrapin, whether that's actual money or just their time to give us access to their resources to see if we can develop, you know, clean energy projects from their resources. Okay. So that's the geothermic aspect of it. So why don't you go into a little more detail about that? What you're actually trying to do is is you're trying to convert waste into a heat resource. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. So we call ourselves the heat to value experts. And that's a broad statement that covers kind of two verticals that we have underneath our roof. The first one is geothermal. So Terrapin Geothermics, you know, that wasn't a mistake. So here in Alberta, we're developing the first conventionally drilled geothermal project. So we'll be drilling, you know, I'm in Canada, so I'm going to talk in kilometers. We're going to be drilling about four to four and a half kilometers to get to our geothermal resource. And from there, we're going to be producing baseload emission-free renewable power. But alongside of that as well, there's lower grade heat that's still valuable after you generate power with it. And that lower grade heat can be used to offset things like natural gas being used for drying, boiler water, heat, a lot of different areas that you can use direct heat to offset natural gas usage. So in the geothermal industry, we're developing in Alberta. We're also looking at some projects in the U.S. and some international projects. And the second vertical is very similar to geothermal in the terms that we're still using heat, but instead of pulling that heat out of the ground, we're actually capturing wasted heat inside industrial facilities. And we use that heat to convert it to power generation. And that power that we generate is an emission-free power source. Also, when we're talking geothermal and industrial waste heat recovery, we can talk about them being a baseload power source as well, which means they're, it's a consistent power source across the year. When we contrast against wind and solar, you know, a day like today in Edmonton, we don't have any sun. So the solar resource is quite low. And then, you know, there's days where it's up and down and that's that intermittency is really hard on the grids. And so Terrapin targets baseload resources where we can provide consistent power and heat to either our clients or to the grid infrastructure. 
So your geothermal resource, it's a constant source of energy. It's 24-7. Yeah, that's the amazing thing about geothermal for two reasons. It's it's consistent in the resource, so we can bring that geothermal brine to surface. We can harness that heat, and then we re-inject it back into the well, and it regenerates over time. And there is some intricacies around managing your well, but if you do it right, and there's geologists that hang their career hat on this, managing that, that geothermal resource to make sure that you're not depleting it too quick. But the second piece of it, too, is that geothermal is one of the only renewable resources that can produce baseload heat, which, you know, in Texas might not be as important because you don't do a lot of space heating in your homes. But here in northern Alberta, when it gets significantly cold in the winter, we fire a lot of natural gas for our space heating. And so geothermal has been identified as that low-hanging fruit opportunity to supplant some of that natural gas usage and provide emission-free heat as well. So is this a new twist on old technology? Is this, you know, for those of us who don't know anything about geothermal, you said you drill down, you're actually drilling geothermal wells? Yes, sir. Yes. So another advantage we feel between the geothermal industry and the drilling industry is that we can put those drillers back to work drilling geothermal wells. The bore of the well, you know, conventional oil and gas, you're looking at, you know, your seven and three quarter wells sizes. That would be an extremely small well for geothermal. So the, the most notable difference is that when we're drilling for oil and gas versus geothermal, we're generally in the, you know, 13 and five eighths range of a well size. And then, yeah, we're drilling multiple production wells. So that's bringing that geothermal brine to surface and then we're drilling injection wells where we're actually going to drill those wells you know multiple kilometers away of where we're bringing that heat up to surface and where we can re-inject it back to the ground so yeah it's you know you're you're not changing anything on the rig you're not even changing any of the training or expertise that those drillers have it's an exact translation from drilling oil wells to geothermal wells for sure so you have a a conventional geothermal energy project, which is the first of its kind in Alberta. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah. So a little bit, as I alluded to earlier, so we're drilling about four and a half kilometers to get to our resource. So we we also secured federal grant funding from the Canadian federal government for our project. They've been very supportive of us. We're right now, we're actually raising some investment into the project. So if any of your listeners are ever interested in investing in geothermal, hopefully they know where to find me. But we'll be drilling our first exploration wells in February of 2021 to confirm that the resource is actually what we've been looking at. So generally what you do is you go and you find existing oil wells, you look at the well drilling data, and you extrapolate those heat temperatures that they've, that they've logged to project what your geothermal project could be. And then you go and you drill that resource you do about three months of flow testing. You test that geothermal brine to make sure the composition is okay, that there's no fugitive emissions or bad gas like H2S in, in the in the geothermal stream. And then once you've confirmed all those, that's when we'll go to actually drilling our production wells. And then we use a technology called organic Rankine cycle, ORC, to generate the power from the geothermal heat. ORCs have been around since the early 1980s. Geothermal projects themselves drilled wells. There's been geothermal wells drilled since the early 1930s. So there's a lot of longevity, a lot of history in the industry, and a lot of experience in the industry as well. 
but we'll be using that organic rank and cycle technology not only to generate the, the power from the geothermal brine, but that same technology also works in that industrial waste heat recovery stream that I was talking about earlier too. So we can use the exact same technology to harness heat from beneath our feet or within industrial facilities, which is really awesome. And then the last piece where I was talking about that district heat network behind the geothermal project. So heat, the one disadvantage a knock against geothermal is, especially when we're talking heat, is that you can't transfer it very far. Obviously with electricity, once you put it into the transmission lines, you can move it quite a distance. Geothermal heat, you can actually move that direct heat, you know, about five to seven kilometers away from its original resource. And so we can actually pipe it away from the geothermal project, go offset natural gas, and then bring that that fluid back to the geothermal project to be regenerated again. And that's all done at surface. It's simply piping, heat exchangers, and some proprietary working fluids, all very well-known technologies. None of this is fringe or new by any means. It's all been deployed um, many years over years and been tracked and validated. What's... Kind of, you say it's been around since the 1930s, so, and yet I have to admit myself, it's a new subject for me. It's fascinating, but why the sudden, I guess, modern day interest in it? Well, I think, one, the shift, the global shift in how we view emissions, I think is one of the big ones. You know, natural gas for so many years, we were on coal for a lot of years, providing a lot of power and heat. Then, you know, you started to see society flipping to natural gas because the cost was so cheap and it was such an abundant source. But because of the emissions profile that come with coal and natural gas, I think a lot of the the global society is starting to key in on and trying to find where are those renewable emission-free resources that aren't going to pollute the environment? And so wind and solar are obviously at the top of everybody's mind when it comes to renewables. But again, Terrapin's position is that geothermal is also extremely important. And geothermal actually supports the, the wind and solar industries because, you know, when solar falls off the grid and they and they need to make up that power production, because geothermal is 24 7, 365 days a year, you know, you're not going to lose your, your geothermal power production or heat production outside of, you know, the couple days a year that we're going to be doing maintenance on the facility. So I think the reliability around geothermal and the fact that it is completely emission free and renewable really is the game changer for geothermal. So this conventional geothermal energy project, the first of its kind in Alberta, this is kind of a pilot project for you? or Yeah, so it's Terrapin's first project deployment. So it, it would be a pilot project for Terrapin, but not for our technology providers. So the technology partner that we work with, they've deployed multiple organic rank and cycle technologies out of their at multiple geothermal facilities. This is not a new industry for them. Yes, it is the first deployment for Terrapin, but our, geol- our chief geologist and our geothermal team have actually developed projects all over the world. They've worked in Iceland, they've worked in Chile, they've worked in the United States and over in China as well. So, well, yes, Terrapin is new at it. Our team is very experienced and our technology partner is very experienced as well. And you do have a presence in the United States. In fact, I think that's how we were introduced to, or that's how I was introduced to you up there in Canada, because you have someone 
down here in Texas, right? Yeah, our heavy hitter, Kevin Doffing, he's our advisor of our U.S. operations. He sits in Houston, and he's really picked up the baton within the renewable industry and really tried to give it a voice. You know, he lends his time to a lot of startups and a lot of industry associations in Houston because he wants to drive change around the emissions or the energy transition. And so, yeah, we're very, very lucky and excited to have him on board. So let's recap a couple of things. The biggest benefit to the environment is reduced emissions. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Power generation that doesn't put any carbon into the atmosphere. Heat, baseload heat that doesn't put any carbon in the atmosphere is, yeah, big big on Terrapin's list. And yet it, it works in conjunction with or, or, or partners with the upstream and midstream and even downstream oil and gas sectors. Yeah, yeah. You know, especially on the upstream side, we're putting drillers back to work. The operators for our facilities are generally power engineers. If you do need to have an operator facility, it's generally a power engineer. So again, directly from the oil and gas industry or the pulp and paper industries, you know, and then the people constructing these projects. Again, we're putting pipe fitters, welders, drillers back to work, electricians. So yeah, the synergies just are endless between, you know, conventional construction and geothermal. So Besides the potential for this being a boon for the oil and gas industry to contribute to the environment, which I don't think we, people who listen to this podcast on a regular basis know, I don't think we do a very good job of telling our story. That's why I was, your mission statement, unlock the economic, environmental, and story. We need to be telling our story better about how we are contributing to the environment. There's also some health and safety aspects to this as well, right? Yeah. So, you know, there's sometimes you, people, when they hear geothermal, they often think to like, say, Iceland, for example, where you see those large steam plumes coming out of of a geothermal project. And to be quite honest, in North America, those are very rare occurrences because of the the heat value of the, the geothermal basins that we tap into. So, you know, there's two aspects that we we really need to make sure that we're careful about the subsurface activities and our surface activities, most notably air uh, quality. So subsurface, you know, there's a lot of fear sometimes around geothermal cause earthquakes, you know, drilling into the earth. Nobody's nobody's ever happy to see a hole being punched into the earth. But, you know, there's seismic monitoring that goes on with geothermal projects. You've got to monitor your geothermal well as well and the composition of that brine consistently. And then secondly, the air quality as well. So we're always taking note of the air quality around our project to make sure that, you know, there aren't any of those fugitive emissions that I alluded to a little bit earlier that would be escaping any of our piping systems or electrical systems, you know, like those H2Ss, the BTEXs and whatnot. We just want to make sure that we're, yeah, we're not only cleaning up the environment with clean power and heat, but we're also not creating a bigger problem by emitting, you know, volatile chem- or volatile gases into the atmosphere as well. Well, you know, this is a fascinating subject for me. I guess if people want to find out more about it, I know there's more information on your website and we'll definitely put that in the show notes. I guess, Dre, you're on LinkedIn. Is that right? Yeah, you bet. Just G-R-A-Y-A-L-T-O-N. Okay, we'll put your URL linked in. We'll put that in the show notes as well. We actually wish you the best of luck on this project in Alberta, and I hope it translates into other opportunities, especially here in the United States. Thanks again for joining us. Thank 
everybody again for listening in. Please tune in again next week for another episode of Anderson Hauser's Oil and Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Anderson Hauser is your reliable U.S.-based partner for measurement, instrumentation, services, and solutions. We are your people for process automation. And check out our other OGGN podcasts. Just Google OGGN podcasts. As we said in the beginning, you can find out more about Anderson Hauser by going to cx.endress.com forward slash HSE dash podcast. Be sure and register for our monthly podcast giveaway. Follow Anderson Hauser on our LinkedIn address at Anderson Hauser Group and also on Twitter at Endress underscore US. Please leave us a review on iTunes and tell your friends about us. See you next time. Hey everybody, it's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for December 2020. This month we only have three events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events that I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our two OGGN live streams, and on the third, we have Moving Up in a Downturn, and on the eighth, we have Quality Management in a Down Economy. The only in-person event we have this month is the API and SPE Houston Chapter Luncheon about the rebuilding of the American oil field, which will be at the Petroleum Club on the 8th. Other than these events, OGGN may be hosting some more live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or our website for more information about any of the live streams we have coming up. If you have any questions about the events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for December, and I hope you guys have a great month, and thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.